0: Derek White was on fire, absolute fire. Mike Mascala played, he he made an impact, it was great, and Jason Tatum had to bail the Celtics out at the end. It's all right now on a bonus Lockdown Celtics podcast. Be ever ready, recognize the city of champs. Boston, baby, we do what you can. Locked on number 18, Tatum and Brown, J team. Step back, we gon' wet that and slay teams. Of course, the Celtics. Who else could it be? Screaming like KG with the Larry O'B. Corral above average, assessing the team status. Best daily pod, no cap, salary matching. Clutch like Bird, to DJ. Keep John on replay. Prime time, gapping up the truth on the sideline. Rainy days, how we started, raising banners, how we finished. Locked on Celtics, pod, home of the winners. B. Hey, welcome back to the Lockdown Celtics podcast right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day, and I'm here for you every day with a free, fresh podcast dropped directly to your device if you're a subscriber. So subscribe wherever you get your podcast, whatever app you want to use, or if you want to on YouTube, it's there. You can watch the show and join a growing community of Celtics fans in the comment section. I love seeing the threads starting to pop up a lot more often. That means discussions are happening, and that's exactly what you want. So you don't have to be on Twitter. You don't have to be on Instagram or anything like that. Hop in and uh, join the conversation. I'm John Corrales, former professional basketball player. Now I cover the Celtics for Boston Sports Journal. Bonus podcast today, Saturday podcast. So not the full half hour, 40 minutes, a little bit shorter, a little bit more free flowing and uh, just, just to get you something that you can enjoy on a weekend where the Celtics beat the Charlotte Hornets 127-116 they're done playing the Hornets they might they they should be done playing the Hornets that this Hornets team is god awful even though they made a comeback they're just so bad i don't understand how uh, one team can be so bad for so long just no chance over there but uh Celtics get the win they get uh big games from Jason Tatum who had 41 for the Celtics. Uh, he could have he could have rested in the fourth quarter, but uh, no, that didn't go so great. Uh Derek White, unbelievable. 12 of 19, 8 of 14 from three, threatening uh, Marcus Mart's record for a while. There was like he's gonna get the double digits here. Uh, but he cooled off in the second half. But 41 points from Tatum, 33 from Derek White, who stepped in nicely for Jalen Brown. Uh, that's a 74 points combined on a 127 point night. Celtics had 34 assists on 44 made buckets, so that's really good. And that that's what happens when you hit 25 of 55 from three. Uh, but it was it was pretty much up until midway through the third quarter a very kind of easy game. First quarter was kind of chaotic. Uh, didn't really love the first quarter. It was kind of trash. It was kind of up and down. Then in the second quarter, Derek White just said, you know what? Watch this. He went 6 of 8 from 3 in the second quarter alone. 18 points in that second quarter. Just phenomenal. He he had a shot like Terry Rozier kind of blocked his shot and he still got the shot up and it went in anyway. Didn't matter what he he was putting up. Everything he put up it seemed was going in. He missed like a heat check and he missed another one later. But he played the whole second quarter, and of course he did because why wouldn't you play? keep playing a guy that was that hot? Beauty of, of Derek White's game. So in the first half, he had 26 points and three assists, and he shot 9 of 11, 7 of 9 from three. So obviously in the second half, he cooled off a bit, and he only hit one of five from three in the second half, but then seven assists in the second half. So when the shots weren't falling, he just turned it up and just started slinging dimes. And he had some really nice ones in there. Derek White is just on uh, a stretch here where he's playing some of the best basketball. I think of his life, of his NBA career, for sure. It's it's just uh, phenomenal to watch. And just the buzz around the team at the arena. Everybody's just looking around at each other. Like, Man, this is, he is so good. He is so good. He just catches the ball and makes a quick decision. Shoot, pass, dribble. He's not he's just not messing around with the ball. He gets it and he does something with it. He is the epitome of point .5 basketball. When you ask John, when you say point .5 basketball, you heard me mention it before if you're a regular listener or viewer, but even if you're not 100% sure, point 5 basketball is a concept championed by Greg Popovich where you have basically half a second You get it. You have half a second to say what's in front of me and how am I going to react half a second? Am I going to dribble? Am I going to pass? Am I going to shoot and make that decision fast, which means not rush. It means get your reaction time to a point where you get the ball, you turn and you see something. The defense is giving you something is the guy's hand down and he's further away from you. There's your shot. Is he angled a certain way? There's your drive. Is he up on you, or is do you see a lane? Do you see a cutting teammate? Then you pass, but you do it quickly, and you move the ball. That was the hallmark of those amazingly great San Antonio Spurs teams, that .5 basketball. White thrives on that. He does so many good things, just right off the dribble. Right, catch, shoot, boom, gone. You know, the, those, those types of plays make Derek White so good. Good. He is so good. And I'm not going to say it's going to make me rethink anything because when they're fully healthy, Marcus Smart is your starting point guard, and Tatum and Brown are going to be your two wings, and Rob and Al are going to be your two bigs. But D White as a guy off the bench, I mean, maybe maybe you just want more Derek White. And, you know, Malcolm Brogdon, who didn't have a good game in this one, but generally speaking, Malcolm Brogdon's is huge. You play those two together off the bench, just play them a little bit more. When the playoffs come around and those guys get more minutes, Derek White, man, he's – he's. there's no reason to not play Derek White uh, a bunch. His minutes will go down when they're fully healthy, but you still got to keep them up in that that high 20 to 30 range with a with shorter rotation. Uh, oh, by the way, three blocks. So I love when we move the sliders on stats, but when you move the sliders the right way, uh, Derek White's the only player in NBA history to have had 33 points, 10 assists, and three blocked shots. Uh, I will say in measured NBA history, because I'm sure back in the day, Wilt or Bill Russell probably had a bunch of block shots. And 33 and 10 was not uncommon. so, but hey, in the modern NBA, that's great. To do anything that you could even argue no one has ever done or very few people have ever done means you've had a good game. Tatum uh, was was good. But through the first three quarters, it was just kind of like, all right, yeah, that, that's, that's fine. A, a nice a nice game. Uh, in the in the first three quarters, in fact, I'll pull up the first three quarter stats here because Tatum had 28 points, nine of 15 shooting, three of seven from three, seven of nine from the line, four four rebounds, four assists. Uh, that was that was a nice game, and frankly, after the game, we were sitting there saying, like, I kind of don't want to talk to Jason Tatum today because he's always the last guy out and. We're like, this is everybody else is having a, a better game or, or a game that's good enough where, hey, give Tatum the night off from the media. It's it's fine. We're all fine. It's a Friday night. Let him go home. We can go home. But then the Celtics, after so about six minutes to go in the third quarter, they're up twenty-eight. They went up twenty-eight. And then the Hornets basically cut that lead in half. And Midway through the fourth quarter, Tatum had to step back in. Um, and Joe Mazzula was funny after the game because he said, well, Tatum, I, he didn't have to put Tatum back in. I chose to put Tatum back in. But, yes, you chose to put Tatum back in because the lead was going away and the Celtics were turning the ball over like crazy in in that second half. And that was, you know, especially in that, in that third quarter run, and – you needed to put Tatum back in uh points off of turnovers the Celtics had 15 turnovers for 25 Charlotte points so that killed them that's the disappointing part of this game the disappointing part of this is the Celtics were up 28 and they they just started turning the ball over a ton and and the the number here's the thing that really bothers me the 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 one stat that bugs me in this game, is points in the paint? Uh, points in the paint for the cell. It's forty-eight to thirty-four. That number should be flipped at the very least. I thought the Celtics, and and granted they were hot from three, so they were they were taking a ton of three pointers, and I get it. So you're not going to get a bunch of points in the paint, but you should still not be outscored points in the paint by the Charlotte Hornets. I just I cannot accept that. I cannot accept that. Uh, every other every other non three point opportunity should have been points in the paint for the Celtics. They 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 traded away plumly. They didn't have any real protection at the rim in general. Uh Mark Williams okay, that that's fine. Mark Williams was was uh uh nice in his uh his his opportunity there, but he only had one block shot. Uh they needed to challenge a little bit more. But fine. Okay, fine. Uh they but the turnovers are really we're really problematic there. I think the Celtics just kind of got a little bit like maybe three happy. They got a little, a little too complacent. Uh, like they kind of thought they could just mess around the last uh quarter and a half. And they just, yeah, hey, you know, we're gonna have some fun with this. And and it bit them. It bit them. So Tatum comes back in. He scores 13 of the last 17 or 19 points in the fourth quarter, and the Celtics hold on to win and Tatum comes away with a 41 point uh night on 13 of 21 shooting so over 60% there uh 50% from 3 5 of 10 10 of 12 from the line so overall Tatum just against the Charlotte Hornets is just dominant dominant like you, they got nothing for him they got nothing for him if if the Hornets if he played the Hornets every game they would induct him into the Hall of Fame during his playing career that's how that's how much he torches the The Charlotte Hornets. Uh, the other guy I have to mention, and this might be basically the end of the podcast, Mike McCcalllen, who gets in late, gets, you know, hops on a plane. His last game was in Los Angeles. He was on the floor for LeBron James, breaking the all-time scoring record. And then he comes to Boston and gets a uniform, uh number fifty seven, which is in honor of his mother who passed before the season. She was born in 1957, so he's honoring her memory with the number 57. That's a very sweet story. Uh, Muscala comes in, hits his first shot, a corner three-pointer off of Tatum, goes four of eight from three, comes off of that game in in, uh, L.A. where he was four of seven from three and was part of burying the the Lakers. Then he comes in here and buries another bad team, the Charlotte Hornets, and goes four of eight. And I just feel like there's a level of audacity that you are going to be the new guy he's like hey everybody my name's mike nice to meet you how you doing uh yeah okay great so uh this is my locker that's great uh, i'm going to come out here and i'm just going to take eight three pointers yeah that that's it's more than most of you are going to take so i'm going to take more shots than a bunch of the guys who have been here uh already but again you know, just floor is this way okay oh. that's the, the audacity behind it is just hilarious. But Jason, after the game, was like, yeah, man, those were all good shots. They were all good shots. And if it's eight shots, then it's eight. If it's 18, take 18. If if you get those shots and the, that opportunity, then take it. And I think right away you see the trade paying dividends. Right away. I mean, you traded Justin Jackson for Mike Mascala. Justin Jackson never played, never. When he got into first quarter minutes, like once, everybody's like, oh no, they they broke glass in case of emergency. That's desperation already. Mescalá gets off the plane, steps onto the floor, takes eight threes. They immediately put him in the game. That's, that's the difference in that roster spot right there. So immediately it tells me that this trade was a success, immediately. And normally you need to wait a long time to, to judge a trade, but the, just the fact that Joe Missoula said, oh, great. I get Mike Mascala. I'm subbing him in at the four minute mark. That's did, didn't practice. Didn't nothing. He just said, oh, I know. I know Mike Mascala. Yeah. He's, he's a big dude. And he he can shoot at like 40%. So we're, we're going to pop him in there. That That's important. And Brad Stevens talked before the game and he talked about how Mescal can play with either of the bigs, with both of the bigs. I mean, whichever whichever way you want to slice it, he can do that. And um, you know, he still needs some work to do defensively, but uh, generally speaking, he's he can he can play either way. He played with Rob, and I thought they were okay uh, defensively. He's got some work to do, but he made a couple of nice defensive plays, and just being a big that can spot up, you you can put him out there. You know, if you, if you face like the Cleveland Cavaliers in a series. There might be a series where you try Muscala and Horford on the floor together. You say, okay, you got Jared Allen, you got Evan Mobley, you got shot blockers at the rim. Okay, no problem. Here's Mike Muscala, here's Al Horford. You guys go guard him out in the perimeter, and we're going to throw smart Tatum and Brown out there. Now what? Now what are you going to do? What are you going to do, big boys? That's that's how I would approach it. And And yeah, Rob obviously gets his opportunity as well. That could be, if you're in a series with the Cavaliers, that could be a hell of a curveball to throw at them to have two big, nearly seven-foot guys to put them out on the perimeter, on the corners. You have to respect them. Are you going to leave Al Horford in the corner for three? No. He's a killer from three this season. You're going to put Mike Mascala in the corner for three? You're going to leave him alone in the corner? No. He's a killer from three. He's a sniper. So that is... That makes this a big addition, and you saw it right away. Pay dividends, Uh, the Celtics. uh, You know, I think. Oh, oh, by the way, I want to clarify something because yesterday in the podcast, and I forgot who it was in the comments that that said uh, that that gave me this direction to ask. uh, I said, I didn't. I I don't know why they didn't trade Danilo Gallinari just into somebody's cap space to save some tax money." If you trade away the, the 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 player who's attached to the disabled player uh, exception, you trade away like that exception goes away. You no longer have that exception to use. Now I asked around, and basically the sentiment from the Celtics side was, "Yes, that's true. It's not exactly a reason to keep the guy around." Like they were they were shopping him. They were looking to make trades that involved him in the deal. So if there was a trade that they liked that needed him to be in the deal, they were going to make it. That they, that disabled player exception didn't mean anything. Keeping him um, rather than trading him into space, I mean, it's that was not their main motivation to keep the disabled player exception, but it's a nice kind of side effect. So they still have that tool and they can still use it on the buyout market. Um, so that, that's a point of clarification to answer a question that I asked on yesterday's podcast. So again, I forget who said it in the, in the comments, uh, but full credit to you for, for steering me in that direction. So I can get that clarification. Uh, the, the addition of Muscala, uh, Brad Stevens revealed is something that is somebody that's been on his radar for a while. Uh, he has you know, been, been asking and talking to the thunder, for a while, the Celtics love to do business with the Thunder. You know why? Because, first of all, Sam Presti is, you know, a fair negotiator. But, secondly, they are as locked down an NBA franchise as you will find. If If they don't want a rumor getting out, you're not going to get it from the Thunder front office. That's no chance. And the Celtics seem to be the same way. Those two teams can talk to each other uh, about everything. They could talk to each other about Shea Gilgis-Alexander for Jalen Brown, which I'm just pulling names out of a hat. I'm just saying that the the two big names don't. (laughs) I'm just joking there. Uh, But they could talk about those two teams, those those two guys, and that, that rumor, a rumor of that magnitude wouldn't get out because those two teams are such lockdown teams. Not to say that they don't leak things. They can, they will, but if they don't want it, they won't, and so I think that's part of why you just don't hear anything from from those from those teams, and and you don't hear anything when the Celtics are kind of actively sniffing around some of those players. So uh, the the Mascala had a target. Uh, the Brad Stevens had targeted Mescala for a while, and and was able to get him for a very reasonable price. Uh, just so we can wrap up the the buyout stuff. The the Celtics seem to be prepared to explore the buyout market, but also they are prepared to not get anybody in the buyout market because I think Brad Stevens is kind of, he he understands the limited opportunity that there might be for these guys. So he's, he said, you know, look, we're going to We'll see what we're gonna do with that open roster spot. So it's not guaranteed we're gonna pull in a buyout guy. He didn't say we're gonna be active on the buyout market. He's basically said, uh, we'll see. Let's see how it goes. So that's that. Uh we'll see what else, what else materializes there. But it's it's possible, it's possible they use that that roster spot if they feel like they're they're fully set. He's like, hey, we might use it on a on a young guy. Bring in a young guy and see. Let's kind of give him a look. Bring him in. And maybe you just give them some G league reps and see if maybe that's somebody that can, can become part of a rotation down the line. Who knows? Who knows? So uh, as far as the rest of this game goes, I could just run down the the list. Grant Williams, not a great game, but he did do other things. He had six assists. So not a great scoring game, but he did do other things. Uh, Robert Williams, uh, 16 rebounds in 20, less than 27 minutes. Uh, and I didn't even think he played all that well uh, but the 16 rebounds was big. Sam Hauser. Sam Hauser's back man. He is back 4 of 9 from 3. Uh he looked he looked really good. That that shot is I think generally bad. He did airball one. But he had a, a bunch of shots there. He, he is he really looks like he's back. He was in the starting lineup. That's a really encouraging thing. Blake Griffin came in, nice putback dunk. Like I said, Malcolm Brogdon, he had a really bad game. It's hard to be a minus 12 in a game you win by 11 and we're up by 28. And he managed to be the only negative in plus minus in this game. And a minus 12 is ugh. so, Hey, rough game, rough game from Malcolm Brogdon. I'm not going to sweat it. We know how good he is. Uh, Peyton Pritchard was, was nice. Uh, Luke Cornette a, a few, a few minutes was, was decent. And, uh, like I said, Muscala, I like what I see from Muscala so far. You know, it's only 15 minutes or so, but that was, that was a nice performance. Uh, next up Sunday, Memphis Grizzlies. That's, that's going to be a big one there Two 2 PM game. So podcast will drop a little earlier. So uh, that, that, that'll be good. You can listen to it, but not dropping it at three in the morning. So uh, make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, check me out um, there. Check me out on YouTube. Also, uh, Sunday, uh, if you're in local in the Boston area, that Sunday uh, Celtics uh, Grizzlies game, I'm going to be on the WCVB Channel 5 post game, the local post game show. So after the ABC coverage is done, stick around, the local post game show. Uh, I will be on that. And uh, I'm also going to be hosting a live discussion with Kendrick Perkins on his new book, The Education of Kendrick Perkins. It's going to be at the Armory in Somerville go buy your tickets. You got to buy tickets to go to that event, but you get a copy of the book. You get to listen to the discussion and we're going to do a a Q and a. So I'll be moderating all of that. So make sure you do that. Some of you have said, you have already said, sent me a message saying, Hey, I I bought my tickets. That's awesome. I'm looking forward to seeing you there. Uh, Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Thanks for sharing the podcast and telling everybody that they should be listening to and watching the lockdown Celtics podcast right here in the lockdown podcast network. We're your team every day.